Okay. Well, today is a momentous day, a milestone. I started a new notebook. Yes. A new notebook, a new, not a new subject here. exactly, yeah, but definitely a new section or maybe subsection because now we're starting Vehayaim Shamoa, which is the, the second paragraph of Shema in the sort of vernacular way, which is to count Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad together as part of the Ohavta. So, Vehayaim Shamoa Tishmeu. It shall be, if you will listen carefully, El Mitzvosai, to my commandments, Asher Anochi Mitzaveh Eschem Hayom which I am commanding you today, to love Hashem your God, and serve Him with all of your hearts, and all of your soul. And I will give the reign of your land in its time. These are different uh, seasons of rain, you know, hard driving rain and early rain. You will gather in your grain, Vesiroshcha, and the it's like the now I'm missing the word. The produce, the, the harvest of the vine, Vitzharecha, Vinosati Asev Bisodcha Levantecha, and I will put grass, enough pasture in your fields for your animals, the ochalta, and you shall eat, Visavata, and be satisfied. Guard yourselves, lest your hearts be led astray, and you turn off and you serve other gods, other powers, and bow down to them. For then God's anger will be against you, and he will close the heavens, and then there will not be rain, and the earth will not give forth its produce. And you will be destroyed quickly from upon the good land, which God has given to you. And place these words, these words of mine, on your hearts and your souls, and tie them, as a sign upon your hands, and they shall be a diadem between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, to speak of them. When you sit in your home, and walk upon the way, and when you lay down and when you get up. And you shall write them, Al mezuzos beisecha uvisharecha on the doorposts of your home and your gates, lemaan yirbuyemechem, in order that your days may be lengthened vimevenechem and those of your children, al hoadama upon the land asher nishva Hashem la avosechem laseislahem, which God swore unto your forefathers to give to you, kimei hashamayim al haaretz, as the heaven covers the earth. All right, so. You will be glad to know that the very first thing I thought we would talk about in uh, today we're going to, it's sort of the transition. Okay, we'll talk, you know, I can't seem to talk about anything without much, much, much introduction to the concept before. <laughs> but I, I find for myself it's valuable. If I know what the objective is, if I know where I'm going, then it's much easier to, to know how I'm getting there. Um, in this case, it's really what about this transition from the first paragraph or the first part of Shema, which was so romantic and so full of love, and then to the second part of Shema, which almost makes you think of like, oh, and now here's like down to earth, what's the reality, and it doesn't sound quite as much fun. And the second thing... Well, no. Okay, so that's, this is the transition, and this is the question. What is the first part of Shema doing? We kind of know that. What is this second paragraph of Shema about? What is, what is the avoda of it? What is the purpose of it? What are we trying to do by saying this? And how does one lead naturally to the next? Because it must, if it does. And the first step toward answering that question, I think you'll probably be really happy to hear, 
is to look at the fact, which you cannot, it, it cannot have escaped your attention, that there are a lot of the same words in the first paragraph of Shema as in the second paragraph. Mm -hmm. Okay, you, you're like, you yeah, you notice. So you have this question, well, some of them are in the singular and some are in the plural. Sometimes when it says you, you should love Hashem, it means you, the individual. And sometimes it's you, the plural, which is harder to hear because I translated it into English where we use the same word. But in Hebrew, it's really noticeable. It's two different things. Levavchem, mm -hmm. uh, your heart, is, is, talk is not just plural hearts, but it's plural people. Chem at the end is, is you in the plural. Levavcha is your hearts, and that's to the individual. So kind of looking at these aspects of it is the first step toward understanding the relationship between the first paragraph and the second paragraph. The Avudraham says, Parshas v'hayaim shamoa. The paragraph of Vehayaim Shamoa, which is what I just read and translated, Im Shamoa Tishma'u, if you shall surely listen. Okay, you've got a double there. Shamoa Tishma'u. If you if listen, you shall listen. If hear, you shall listen. Chuva al parsha shma. This is a response. This is this is a, a natural corollary of. Parsha Shema. This is intentionally following the pattern of the first paragraph, which was Shema and Ve'ahavta. Mila b'mila, word by word. Achar she'hiz here be'parsha Shema. Once you have been, his here is like warned, but it doesn't mean warned in this case in a threatening kind of way. Once you have been alerted to the relationship in the first paragraph, which is a relationship of love, that's all your heart, all your soul, and all your might. Now you're being warned, and in this case the warn is a little more, threatening is the wrong word, but, but severe. Mm -hmm about punishment and reward. Meaning, first, you were alerted to what is the overall relationship, what's the overall approach, which is tremendous love. Once that has gelled in your mind and you've said that, and you've thought about that, now you're ready to hear about the reward and punishment, which is the nitty-gritty of the actions and the deeds that create the reality that you thought about in the first paragraph. As we all know, for example, there's this powerful image throughout society of the mother with her little baby, right? I mean, Christianity, of course, has capitalized on that in a very big way, but let's not, not, not going there. Right? The, even when I was a kid, right? You know, you, the little kid calling their mother on the long distance bell telephone, you know, or whatever. Like, there is this romance of this relationship. But as, as people who have had children know, it's not necessarily the instant you lay eyes on the kid that you have this amazing bond and closeness. You can be excited to see them and feel, oh my goodness, your heart melts, how sweet, how tiny, how vulnerable. But the real love between parents and children that leads to being able to evoke a nostalgic memory of when they were tiny that is really more powerful and more enriched than what it was up front at the time comes from the in and the out, from making bottles and nursing and changing and diapering and then diapering again and then giving them a bath and diapering them again, right? And picking up the toys and cooking meals and packing lunches, right? It, there's this kind of the day-to-day -day things that maybe don't seem so exciting and romantic that in fact build the depth of that love. So you come into the love realizing it's there, but you only fully actualize it and make it 
find its strength through the interactions that are both based on the love and generate the love in a more deeper sense. Which is why some kids have such a close relationship to their nannies. Yeah. So you're happy that they have a good relationship, that they're cared for and loved and love someone, but it's a pity to have lost that with your parent. Yeah, I notice when Yoko talks about memories from when he was a child, he always says things I don't want to hear. Like, you know, you did this and you did that, and wasn't it funny? And I would want to hide that. Oh. But the things I want him to remember, like the good thing, he doesn't say a word about those. But like you said, it's the things that... Uh, that it we, builds the relationship both ways. Yeah. Both, both things are part of that relationship. With its, with its, you know, stains and mistakes and yeah. all of that, that all is what goes into building that big relationship. I mean, it, as you say, listen to somebody who's nostalgic for times gone by that seem simpler, and they will include a lot of hysterical anecdotes that were not so funny when they <laughs> happened, right? But, but after the fact, they're all part of this. And that's actually, it is in fact a profound insight, although I'm going to read the rest of the Avudraham before we get near talking about that aspect of the building in practice. Okay. So once you have been alerted to the paragraph of Shema and all that, that, is, con that is contained within it, now you're able to be warned and hear that there is such an idea as punishment and reward. Meaning, when you do the right thing, that is remembered and it matters. It is noted and it is responded to. And when you do the wrong thing, it is noted and it matters and responded to. That it is what you do makes a difference in how this is going to be experienced by you and how the relationship will develop. Shema, so the, the first part of Shema begins with Shema Yisrael Hashem Elkeinu Hashem Echad. Listen, O Israel, Hashem, your Lord, Hashem is one. And this paragraph begins with Vehaya im shamoa tishmeu. And it shall be if you will listen. So there's the word Shema again. Okay. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu. Hashem is our God. And in the second paragraph, I'm sorry, I only have one sitter with me. In the second paragraph, it's Vehayaim shamoa tishmeu el mitzvosai asher anochi mitzav eschem hayom. To love es Hashem Elokechem, Hashem your Lord. So it's over there. Hashem Echad, God is one. That corresponds to, he doesn't explain it, Hishamrulachem, guard yourselves. Mm -hmm. Meaning, protect that which you have. But he doesn't explain why. Ve'ohavta es Hashem Elokecha. There's a typo here, it shows it with a segel. You shall love Hashem your God. Corresponding to that is la'ahava es Hashem elokechem to love Hashem your God. Bechol levavcha you should love God with all your heart and of course here bechol levavcha bechol nafshcha with all your heart with all your soul. Corresponding to which you have here ula avdo and serve Him bechol levavchem uvechol nafshchem. So it's the corresponding to the first relation part of the relationship is the deed, and it follows it word for word. So it's if you listen to Hashem, but it's now instead of just listen, Hashem is one, it's listen to the mitzvos which I have commanded you, the actions, the do's and the do nots. Vili made. And we are taught. that the true service of Hashem is in the heart, because it says, serve him with all your heart, which, as the Gemara tells us, is this is in the category of how do you love God? The first paragraph said, love God with all your heart. Now, how do you love Hashem with all your heart? Avdo, how do you love him? By serving him with all your heart. 
It's a response. It's, a, it's an outcome to understand the details of how to achieve the first paragraph. So what does it mean that you should serve him with all your heart? And I think we're going to touch on this probably more later. Service of Hashem, avoda. What we know, avoda is in the Beis Hamikdash. That's Karbanos. And as Chazal teaches in the Gemara, this is tefillah. This is prayer. Right? This is kavanas halev. You have to say it out loud, but the core piece of the davening, the soul of the davening that gives it the life, is the intention that's in your heart when you pray. And one who davens with kavana is described as pouring out his soul. Okay, and I believe he's answering there why it's levavchem and nafshechem, both. Why is it serve Hashem with your heart and your soul? Is because in praying, you are doing both. You're serving Hashem with your heart and with your soul. Somehow this spills out your soul. Why that's so, I don't know. Meaning, uh, it sounds right in English because we talk that way. But nefesh is how your body and your soul, you know, connect. So I don't, why that's so, I, I can't say he doesn't actually go any farther. And it shall be that these things which, uh, you know, I have commanded you today should be on your heart. That's what it said at the beginning in the first paragraph. Corresponding to that, place these things upon your heart, these words upon your heart. Which I have commanded you today. That corresponds to which I am commanding you today, just in the plural. Teach them to your children corresponds to teach them to your children and speak of them to speak of them he's saying it's not that it's coincidental that it's the same language or somehow repeating it it's not repeating it it's going line by line through the first part of Shema word by word or phrase by phrase he says word by word through the first part of Shema and now saying it again in terms of, and how do you actually build that relationship? How do you perform the beautiful thoughts and ideals that we spoke of in the whole first paragraph? How do you make them be real? It's not enough to just think about them and fantasize them. So how do they come down into your life, in real life? That's why it parallels the paragraph before. These words, when you sit, when you walk, when you lay down, when you get up, you shall tie them, you shall write them. That's written the same words in both paragraphs. And there is added, furthermore, after all of that, yet one more concept, which is to be explicit that you will be rewarded. I will give the rain to your land and punishment. Guard yourselves, lest you do the wrong thing and the, the land will dry up and the rain won't come. And then it closes with uh, finishing up, wrapping up with an expansion, a multiplication of your days and years and inheriting the land. It opens with praise. It ends with praise. These are the words of the Riva. Rav Schwab says, just as a, a useful aside, that it is proper to pause briefly between the first paragraph and the second paragraph, not just to rattle straight through, which would probably never be such a great idea, uh, in order to show that you are changing gears a little bit. There is a change from the first to the second. Part of the significance, this does not break it down into the separate bits because there are parts of the, the second paragraph we say is written in the plural, to the plural, to the community of people. The first one is one-on-one, -on -one, me and God. Well, first it's just one. <laughs> Moving on to then one-to-one, on, one one, and then one to the community. Um, <coughs> however, I'm not ignoring the fact 
that even in the second paragraph, there are aspects of it that are phrased to the individual. Okay, so we're just going to say in general, it's written to the to the community. <coughs> Because in Torah, there's such a thing as a tzibor, as a community, uh, a public. And that public, that community, is built of individuals. It has a strength even above that of each individual separately. But it can never shed completely its nature as being born of the individuals that comprise the community. Each person does matter. And what they bring into this group, their behaviors, their thoughts, the levels that they're on, what they bring into the group affects the nature of the group. Everybody matters. The Tsibor, the community, does not have the right to override the individual completely. That has halachic implications as well. There are places where a tzibor does have the halachic ability to compel an individual to do something, but we don't have an idea that the greater good somehow erases any individual rights or identity. But that's because the individual re retains his identity even within the group, and that is what the group is built out of, which means that what we do matters. We never can fade into some group so completely that, that we could say, well, it doesn't matter what I do. There's a lot of other people who are taking care of everything. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if I really daven because, like, everybody's davening. It doesn't matter if I'm so careful about Shabbos because there's a lot of people keeping Shabbos. It feels like Shabbos. Now, you can go to Eretz Yisrael, and you can be in Yerushalayim, and, and it just, Shabbos, like, seems to happen. There's, like, this atmosphere of Shabbos. Even if you didn't work to build an atmosphere of Shabbos around you, Shabbos kind of happens. But the truth is, why does Shabbos happen? I mean, Shabbos is Shabbos anyway. Shabbos has its own identity. But what that atmosphere, that feeling of Shabbos, that's because of each separate individual building an atmosphere of Shabbos around them. Then you get a joint, a giant feeling of that. Okay. The Rambam in Morinivuchi says, right, the guide to the, for the perplexed. Tachlis kol ha-mitzvos. I would have to say before, this is yet another case of like the Rambam saying something that probably isn't what most people out there think of the Rambam as saying. People who quote the Rambam to justify their lack of observance of mitzvos are probably not entirely glomming on to the direction the Rambam was taking, all right? The Rambam says, in Morinivuchim, the guide for the perplexed, which, if anything, that's what these people should read, right? That the tachlis, the purpose, the destination of all the mitzvos is avas Hashem, loving God. That's the goal. That's the destination. Which... Um, as Rav Yerucham Lovovitz points out, this is the opposite of what is perhaps we, what we think. Okay? We don't, we don't associate, oh, I have to do this and I shouldn't do that and that, but that's somehow the whole objective of that is to bring us to the point of loving God more. Okay? That is, though, the message of Shema. Shema is trying to tell us this by having this first paragraph and then the second one. The first one is about this passionate love and the second one is about how you get there and the way you get there is through the mitzvos. When a person, this is now not the Rambam, this is explaining the Rambam. When a person loves Hashem, he keeps his mitzvos, right? Rav Orlowick always says, the definition of love is, what's important to you is important to me. A person loves Hashem, the response is, I want to keep the mitzvos. I want to do what's important to you. But according to the Rambam, the Rambam is telling us something different, not contradictory per se, but different. Because the first definition, what's important to you is important to me, that, even if we didn't work that out on our own, we could feel that it's true. It seems instinctive to us. It fits our instinct. But the Rambam's saying something else, that every mitzvah, kol mitzvah molida behech rech gagir shalavas Hashem. Every mitzvah perforce plants a seed of love of Hashem. 
when we do a mitzvah, there is implanted inside of us another seed, another sprout to loving Hashem. Which suggests that keeping 613 mitzvahs, all of them would give birth to a complete love of Hashem. That there is a sort of completeness that each of the mitzvahs is somehow filling in another little gap, another space in our hearts ready to sprout and develop into love of God. This is hinted to in the Sifri, in the Medrash Sifri, which mentions, which comments on the word ve'ohavta, that you should love God. It says there, shehaderech la'ahavaso, that the path to loving him, al yadeh, is reached via hasmada batora, being consistent in learning Torah, which was talked about the most in the first paragraph, vekiyum mitzvos and keeping mitzvos. That's the topic of the second paragraph. So that in both cases, this is this sifri, which sounded like just a nice sort of general statement, you shall love God with all your heart, and the way to how are you going to come to love Him by being consistent and faithful and loyal in learning Torah and doing mitzvahs. Well, that's like, yeah, yeah, everyone talks about learning Torah. You should learn Torah, you should do mitzvahs. Learn Torah, do mitzvahs. No, no, the Sifri is telling you something that the Sifri is trying to point you to some very important message that the Torah was telling us here in Shema, which is you should love Hashem, and here's how. Stay close to Torah, wrap it on your arm, hang it in the doorway, talk about it all the time, and keep mitzvot. That is the way. That's the road that will get you there. Another way we can think about this same idea is we've talked about this portion of davening, the, the section of Kriyashma and the brachos around it, as corresponding to the world of the Malachim, the world of creation, of Bria, uh, associated with Kedusha, right, holiness and restraint. So step one in the Shema, this Shema bit, is we, and with the objective, sorry, the objective of all of this being to dedicate our self, defined as our will, our intellect, our ego, our actual self, to Hashem. That was our overarching objective in this part of tefillah, which is achieved, number one, by accepting God's, willingly choosing God's dominion over us, choosing God to be our king. He is our king, but choosing it. That was in the beginning of Shema. And then the next step is Kabbalah's all mitzvos. This paragraph, I think probably the art scroll sitter even has a little note reminding you to think of it that a person should have in mind to accept upon themselves the mitzvahs. Now, what do you mean accept upon yourself the mitzvahs? The mitzvahs were handed to us, and we got to do them. Well, in the same way that Hashem is our king anyway, but it is the crowning achievement of us as humans to choose Hashem as our God, to say, we know you're the, you're the right driver. You know where you're going. You know what you're doing. I want you. I want you to be my king. Then the next step of that is, since you know what we should be doing, we accept and we choose again to follow the mitzvahs. Tell us what to do. We'll do it. Tell us what to do. We'll do it. Because if we try and just figure out for ourselves what we're supposed to do, we're not always going to get it right. We choose your mitzvahs. So there are different aspects we've talked about. We choose your mitzvahs because what's important to you is important to me. But this is something different. This is saying in the same way that I choose Hashem as my king, which means I'm willing to subserve my will to his will. Another aspect of that is I'm willing to subserve my will for my actions to his will for my actions, what he wants me to do. This is where sometimes it starts to get harder. 
the glory of, of the relationship is the glory. I mean, that is. It's, it's, it's as real as ever. But it can be scary when you realize that what it entails is a certain amount of hard work and discipline and control and doing what Hashem said and not necessarily what I felt like doing at that moment. That can be a little bit scary. But the glory is the result. I'm yeah. sorry, this, who, are you, who is the uh, source of this, these last points? This is, this is Chazal. This is, this is the, the simple meaning of the verses. Oh, this is no particular individual. Um, I don't have the Chazal written down here. If I, when we come across it, then I'll tell you this. I'll point out to you that that's the source. Okay. okay. This, is, this is permeated and woven in and explicit at every level of interpretation of Shema. It was my, my uh, I suppose, coming through my lenses, the fact that it could be threatening sometimes, it could be scary. When you look at the task list and you say, whoa, what have I taken on? <laughs> okay, that was me interpreting on. I'm trying to bring it down to my own life and my own emotions so that I have a way to relate to it. And you can see that this is the goal. The, the goal has not somehow changed because of the way this paragraph opens. V'haya, it shall be, im shamoa tishme'u. If you will listen, el mitzvosai asher anochi hayom, to the mitzvos which I am commanding you today, le'ahava, to love, es Hashem elokechem. Hashem, your God. To, meaning that's the direction you're going to. You will end up at loving Hashem, your God and serving him with all your heart and all your soul. So it's, it's fairly explicit to the Pasuk. It's just that we say this every day, and it's easy to lose sight of the fact that that's what it's telling us. So that's the Rambam. If a person keeps mitzvahs properly, he will eventually develop Ava Sashem. And to keep mitzvos, in order to keep the mitzvos, Rav Schwab points out, one must learn how to fulfill them properly. That's v'haya im shamoa tishmeu. What they call a double lashon. Why, why does it have to be said? Why just say v'haya im tishmeu? It will be if you listen. Why if you hear and listen? Like, why is it doubled? So first of all, it's, a, it's a, one of the Torah's ways of adding emphasis. But at the same time, we always say what, that it must be two things happening. There must be two sides of it, two parts to it. Otherwise, it wouldn't be said with two words. So the two parts are shamoa, hearing about it. That's learning that an action is a mitzvah or an avera. Right? When you find out, oh, when I talk about somebody, <laughs> that could be a mitzvah or that could be an avera. I didn't realize. Oh, turning a light on on Shabbos, that could be a mitzvah, that could be an avera. Right? It could be a mitzvah if somebody is in the situation of pikuach nefesh. You turn the light on so that they, they feel more comfortable or so that somebody can see better what's going on. That's a mitzvah. Otherwise, it's an avera. So there's this sort of first step, which is finding out that an action might be a mitzvah or an avera. And the tishme'u, which is the emphasis part, is learning the details. And Rav Schwab says, included in the mitzvah of learning the details of mitzvah, so you know how to do them properly, is that first step one, you've got to know there is such a mitzvah. Right? You read in Shema, it says you should hang the words of Torah on your doorposts. That's part one. You discover that there's a mitzvah to have words of Torah on your doorposts. Part two is, oh, so how do I do that? What's the details? Right? Oh, I've got to write them a certain way, and it's got to be so fair, and he has to think certain thoughts, and the parchment has to be like this, and the ink has to be like that. And the letters have to be like this and that, and it has to be hung in this part of the doorway and at this angle. Okay, all these is the details. And he includes within that tishme'u um, making the effort to understand the mitzvos. That's part of, part of the mitzvah of learning the details of mitzvos is attempting to understand from them. Another axiom from Rav Orloik, Happiness is a function of knowing your purpose, which 
I would say it did not strike me as being so intuitive when I first heard it and second heard it and 50th heard it. Happiness is a function of knowing your purpose. Okay, I filed it away. Um, at one stage of working on a personal mission statement and I got to a point of feeling like I suddenly had insight into who I am and maybe what I'm doing here, I was filled with tremendous feeling of happiness. One of the greater, greater happinesses of my life. And I, I wondered, like, why am I so happy? I mean, I, I, I'm happy, I'm ple intellectually I'm happy, but why am I actually, like, yeah. I feel like they must be able to see this, you know, in the airplanes ahead, shining out the windows. I'm so happy. And then I remembered Ravor Lewick. Happiness is a function of knowing your purpose. I thought, oh, I don't know how it works. You know, it's one of these functions. It's in the calculator, but I don't actually, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how the formula works. All right? But there it is. Okay. So what's the purpose? Our purpose is to love Hashem. And how do we do it? By doing the mitzvot. This paragraph begins, Vihaya, and it shall be when. Now we're familiar with the idea that, for whatever reason it's more common to talk about, that when something starts with Vayehi, when a chapter is introduced with, and it was, Vayehi, it was in the days of Ahasuerus, the king of Persia, right? It was in the days when the judges judged. That, is, that means something tragic is on the horizon. But as it turns out, Chazal also say in the Bracious Rabbah that when it says, when an, a passage is, passage is introduced with the word vehaya, and it shall be, Vihaya is a sign that great happiness is on the horizon. We begin saying this paragraph, the second paragraph of Shema, starts with the word Vihaya. There is great happiness on the horizon here. You may not have thought that's where this paragraph was going, because it does mention also the punishments, not just the rewards. But in fact, as as a condensed guide to serving Hashem and achieving love of Him, it makes perfect sense. Yes, that process includes also messing up and punishment and fixing and correction. But this is a passage that leads to great happiness. So this, this paragraph opens with the word vehaya. So even though we're not finished with Shir and we're going to keep going, I would just say if you can take that home with you and to your sitter, that's already something that both encapsulates what we've been talking about in, in one small idea, that it's vahaya, great happiness is ahead of me. This is, this is what I'm going, I'm heading into happiness. And it's also something tangible that can be planted into our kavana in the davening. So, to sum up here, accepting upon ourselves, willingly choosing God's, God as our king. The next natural step is willingly choosing his commandments as the instructions for our behavior. Another way to encapsulate what we said, love of God leads us to willingly performing the mitzvos, which leads us to yet deeper love of God. All right. Now, Rav Hirsch, he actually says this on the first paragraph of Shema, but I, I saved it for here because we had a lot on our plates at that time. I figured maybe when we got to the second paragraph, we'd be happy. And we have over here the love, la'ahava, to love Hashem your God. And before we had you shall love Hashem your God, I figured, well, we can bring it here. Rav Hirsch states that as a general principle, when looking at a three-letter root of a word, the first letter indicates the conception given by the last two letters of the root. 
I'm going to give examples. As an example, there is the root Aleph Memresh, Amar, saying, speaking. Okay. Memresh, the last two letters, Mar, means to exchange or transfer. Hamarat um, Kesef is uh, exchanging money. You know, you give them dollars, they give you shekels. Uh, it's a transfer or an exchange. So Amar, with the Aleph in front, Aleph refers to the self. I, Ani, that's the Aleph. Anochi, Ani. Amar is to exchange oneself. It, it makes the root itself have a hint of reflexiveness even before you've conjugated it. Mm -hmm. You may not conjugate it as a reflexive verb, but the action of amira, of speaking, is to exchange oneself. In other words, to exchange the idea that you have in your head and, sh and bring it out for the other person. And they might omer to you something and exchange back. Okay? But the reflexive hint to it that's, that's suggested in speech is that what you're exchanging is something of yourself. That's your ideas, your thoughts, and they come out of yourself and then are shared with others. Achal, Aleph Chaf Lamed, right, eating. Okay, the last end of it is Kaf Lamed, Kol, which means all, but actually is like Kila, destruction, meaning it's all destroyed. Okay, it's the all of it is. Okay, but it's Ah, with an Aleph at the beginning, meaning you're destroying it to assimilate it within yourself. So you eat the food, and it becomes digested and broken apart, and there's nothing left of it. But, what it but, but it's not destructive, per se. It's now assimilated into the olive, into the self. So he's, he, this is a principle he gives, and these are examples. What about love, which is ahav, olive hey vase? So that's hav, giving. Hav also means bringing. can mean either one. The Aleph in the front tells us it's giving oneself or bringing into oneself. And sharing oneself outward or including someone into yourself, into your definition of self. Extending your definition of self out or drawing someone else into your definition of yourself. That's Ahava, that's love. It is the feeling of striving to get the closest attachment to the other. How much more attachment is there than, than commingling your sense of identity with that of the other person? It's the ultimate closeness. It is the, the feeling of striving to get the closest attachment to the other by completely giving oneself up to him and endeavoring to make him attached to you. Love, the most intimate bond between two beings. You shall love Hashem your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. Accordingly means seek to get near to God by devoting the whole of your heart, the whole of your soul, and the whole of your fortune. This is in perfect alignment with our understanding of that first part of Shema, of of subsuming our will and ourself to that of him. That's exactly what the love means. Everything that you think and feel, everything that you strive for and desire, everything that you possess shall be unto you only the means, only have value to you for getting near to God and bringing God near to you. Rav Schwab, who does not always, often explicitly bases himself on Rav Hirsch, but even when he doesn't, he is building upon the teachings of the tradition of Rav Hirsch, 
Kabbalah al-Malchus Shamayim, accepting God's dominion over us, means, in a way, and we said this way back when, that a person has given away his Bechira, his free choice, and accepts Hashem's, Hashem unconditionally. Right? We said that is sort of the ultimate use of our free will, is to choose not to use our free will. To choose to use our free will to choose God. And then whatever your will is, that's my will. All right. Similar to locking himself up and throwing away the key. There's a very old princess movie that I once saw some of where the girl has to do whatever she's told. And she's told to do something really bad. She's got to go kill the good guy or whatever. So she says to her friend, please tie me up to the tree with chains so that I can't get out because I know what I'm going to do. It's a strong image it's not, you know, of locking myself up and throwing away the key, right? I, I know where I need to be. I know what I need to do. And I'm going to use that knowledge to put myself where I want to be for real and not leave myself at the whim of every passing fancy that seems irresistible at the time but takes me away from my long-term goal. It's making a commitment, right? We want to have a family. We know it's worth it. We know that's the direction we want to go, and we make a commitment to that. At some point, you've made this commitment to a marriage or you've made this commitment to having the child and raising it. And you can't keep saying, oh, well, maybe I'll do something different. You have to say, no, now I'm in it. I'm just in it. I'm not going to keep questioning this. I don't want to keep choosing it. I chose it, and I wanted, to, I wanted to be committed to it. I said, yes, I'll take the job. Can I never get out? No, but it's much better if I stay on course. Let me not keep second-guessing. Okay. There is a suggestion. This is not Rav Schwab. This is just me noticing that there is a sort of reciprocity in vehaya, meaning whereas in Ve'ohavta we've chosen Hashem and we've said we, we're locking ourselves into this commitment. It's 100%. We're putting ourselves in 100%. There's a little bit of that commitment reflected back in vehaya. Because what does it say? It says, what if you go and you start worshipping other forces or powers? It should say, fine, I'll go and start talking to other people. I'll start dating other nations. It doesn't say that. It says there will be anger, the skies will lock up, and eventually you come back. Right? There's a certain lock-in that Hashem makes to us as well. It's not like we do all the committing and He doesn't. Hashem makes a huge commitment to us because of our forefathers. That's as I promised to your forefathers that I would give you this land. I swore, God swore to Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov that their children would inherit the land and it would be good and he would care for them. And here we come doing whatever we please. But he's not going to let go of us because he promised he wouldn't. He's not going to second guess that. It's one of the 13 principles of faith that's taught by the Rambam. That God will not choose another nation. We may have some difficulties in the relationship, but never, ever, ever will he second guess the choice to take us on. We're actually striving to live up to that degree of commitment. One... very key difference that, that is sort of a, a, a beginning of a lens through which to see this that, that has many different levels that we can go into. One key difference between the two paragraphs, the first paragraph of Shema and the second one, is that you remember what the beginning core part of Shema was once you got to Ve'ohavta, you should love Hashem with all your heart and all your soul and all your effort. 
what is all your soul, even if God takes your soul, right? That's a person has to prepare themselves, and more than prepare themselves, choose to be Moser Nefesh for Hashem, to give up our lives for God. Should that opportunity arise, we are prepared to live up to it. We spent a long time talking about it. I'm not going to expound now. But what's Vahaya? What's the second paragraph? It's talking about mitzvos, right? Keep the mitzvos. If you don't keep the mitzvos, punishments. If you do keep the mitzvos, there's rewards. Well, what's the principle with mitzvos? V'chai bohem, right? It's a verse in Vayikra. V'chai bohem, you should live by them. And the Gemara in Yuma says, V'loshi amos bohem, don't die by them. The purpose of mitzvos is you should live by them. Now, granted, it means life in a very big sense. But nonetheless, if a person's life is in danger, if they perform a mitzvah, don't do the mitzvah and live. You'll perform the mitzvah another day. Right? Gemara, person, you'll violate the Shabbos by moving the rubble and saving the person underneath, and hopefully he'll live many more years to keep Shabbos. Or not, or whatever, even if he won't. (laughs) The principle still applies, right? But we say, no, you live by the mitzvahs, don't die by the mitzvahs. There's very small exceptions, not very small, excuse me, very few exceptions, which are Avodah Zarah, Shvichos Damin, Giluya Rayos, and Shmad. Avodah Zarah, idol worship, Shvichos Damin, murder, and Giluya Rayos, immoral relationships. For those mitzvos, you should die. It's better to die than to violate them. For every other mitzvah, it's better to violate the mitzvah and keep living. And the fourth is shmad. Shmad is uh, destruction. Shmad is where people are threatening Jews that they should do or not do some mitzvah, right, some mitzvah or avera, in, with the specific intention of squashing Torah and mitzvahs. So, for example, you have uh, in the time of the Yevanim, the Hanukkah story, right? Don't keep Rosh Chodesh, don't keep Bris Mila, don't keep Shabbos, don't learn Torah. And people were most nefesh for that. Why most nefesh For Rosh Chodesh? Since when? But it's because it was a Gezerah of Shemad. It was a law that was enacted in order to try and wipe out Jewish performance of mitzvot specifically. It wasn't just a general, uh, I don't know, you know, the, the government has a thing against, <coughs> against um, black jackets, so thou shalt not wear black jackets, but it's not specifically directed at Jew. Like, it's, you know, better give up the black jacket. And you'll, that's not such a mitzvah per se, right? But give up the black jacket and keep living. It's not directed. If it's directed at we're going to wipe out the identity of the Jewish people, that's a different story. You might have to, even for something very, very small. Okay, change the color of your shoelaces, which is an actual example in the halacha. All right. Maybe just like I said, black jacket, because I thought it was easier to relate to maybe for the way we dress. But, okay. So the message of v'hayayim shamoa, and when you read it again, you'll see that's the message, is v'chai bohem, live by the mitzvos. Mm-hmm. Listen to the mitzvos and live by them. Harvest by them. Plant by them. Eat by them. Be satisfied with them. They should be part of your life. You're not dying for them. Okay, this is a contrast between the two. And it also... I'm going to change my order here. It also, I think, helps us understand the difference between them.
You remember which part of the person is associated with this part of davening? Like we have the body that's associated with brachos, that's the physical. The emotions and the heart that's associated with psuke de zimra. And the seichel, the head and the mind, is associated with shema. With the, this, the part of our bodies which Hashem gave us as a tool to be able to serve Him in this section of the world known as, in the section of davening known as Kriya Shema, saying Shema, and with which to relate and manipulate the world in terms of the, in the terms and context of the world of creation of Bria is the Machshava, the mind. The Sfasemis says um, in Parshas Va'era, the Pasuk says, Ein tzadik asher There's no such thing as a person so righteous in the land that he can do good without also sinning. You can't. You will always, there will always be a certain amount of error. Hopefully, very little. There's such a thing as a tzaddik who rarely sins. <laughs> okay? Torah is full of examples of people where the person sinned once or twice, and therefore it's called out to us. They didn't sin any other times. The Shaul HaMelech was as innocent as a child when he was made the king. Not innocent as in foolish. He was a very intelligent person. He was head and shoulders above the rest. That's the head. He was very, very smart. But he wasn't a sinner. He was very righteous. Okay? But there's no such thing, Shlomo HaMelech tells us, as a person who does good and never sins. Which means, Ki dovuk kimat That it is inherently part of the definition of an action, of action, activity of physical interactions, things we do, that they will have some element of flaw. It's the definition of being finite. We're talking about, when you talk about the physical world and the actions we make within it, they are bounded by being finite. They cannot be perfect. In Kolze, but even knowing this, b'machshava, in our minds, in our intellect, tzorech lios muchan kol ish Yisrael. Every person of the Jewish people must be prepared limsor nefesh to give up his life, v'chomasav, and all of his deeds, l'ashamayim, to heaven. In other words, you can read the first paragraph of Shema and be swept away and aim for and try to achieve perfection in your love of God and in your willingness to truly give your life and every effort and action, your heart, your soul, your deeds to Him. Perfect commitment. And you should not let go of that aspiration Despite the fact that when it comes to reality and you finish davening and you start to do stuff, you're, you're, you're not always going to be perfectly 100% and complete with your devotion to Hashem. There's going to be something that you really should have done and you didn't do it because you felt a little selfish. All right. This is the idea that it was in Hashem's machshava, in his thoughts, so to speak, to create the world with midas hadin, right, with perfect justice. And ultimately, he created the world with rachamim, with tolerance and space for the errors. 
at least until they can finally be corrected. Because there are going to be errors. There will be mistakes. There will be failures. We will not completely live up to the perfection we can achieve in our minds. Mm -hmm. And what we have to learn to savor and discover is that the perfection in our minds that we can create in our intellect, using our mind, is not damaged by the fact that in practice we aren't perfect. The reality that we create in our minds is real. It's in a different plane than the reality we create with our actions. The reality we create with our actions is in the physical world and it is inherently flawed. It won't be perfect. But the reality we create in our minds, we should strive to achieve perfection there. Because if we build a reality that is real and is not damaged by the fact that the physical side of it is imperfect, this is part of the meaning and the understanding when we understand what Chazal have taught us. Be Yisrael HaKadosh Baruch Hu Machshav With the Jewish people, God calculates the thought as the deed. We get credit for our intentions even when our actions don't live up to it. We've heard that before. But do we understand the power of that? What it means to never giving up. Never saying, oh, it must not have been real. I thought I really had a moment there where I was fully committed to Hashem. And then we go and we blow it afterward. And we think, so maybe it wasn't real in the first place. And what the Sfasemis is telling us is, it's real. And that is the goal, to try and aim for perfection in our thinking. And not to be discouraged by the fact that we will not ever achieve perfection in our actions. That is not a reflection upon the quality of the avoda, of the service that we've achieved in our minds. So now look at the Shema. What did it just say? It says, love Hashem with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. And it's, it's the avoda of our mind. It's how we interact with tefillah and the purpose of tefillah and with the world on the level of mind. And it's perfect. And then all of a sudden it's, and then you're going to listen to the mitzvahs that I'm commanding you and do them and you're going to have rain in the right time and plenty to eat and then you're not going to stay on track and it's going to get messed up and there's going to be the hard times and here's the mitzvahs, don't give them up, keep sticking with them even so in order that your days will be lengthened because God promised it to your children like the heavens over the earth. It's probably not a coincidence that it's Shemayim on the Aretz and we're here this is a pairing of where we're functioning. We're here and we're here and they don't really function the same way but the relationship that's how we build it we build it with the imperfections of our hands and the striving for perfection in our minds I think I'm going to stop there for today so the yes hurrah we all have that we all have it and I think I think that what we just learned also helps us to wrap our heads around the idea, which is also in this paragraph and also in the first one of serving Hashem with our hearts in the plural, which was the Yetzirah and the Yetzirah Tov. Okay. All right. So it's good to be back. Oh, that's it. Well, wonderful. <laughs> You came to my house. That's such a treat. It's beautiful. Let, thank you for reminding me. You know, I thought of it beforehand. When we were talking about coming, I was thinking about your sign <laughs> and how we say a shear in your house, and it's always an ilui neshama for Yosef ben Yosef HaKohen, for Mr. Khan, who we love. And thank you for reminding me. Thank you. I love having you.
I love and being I have there. to go Wednesdays to the therapy. Okay. The lady doesn't come in every day. Yeah. So uh, I will come when I can. I I don't know whether you're going to keep the shear. I'm planning to keep the shear, but I can't do it on Thursdays yeah, usually because so I would I have to start later, and I think it's too difficult. Sharon, and, are you when okay. it is? So, Emirat Hashem, we will do next week, Wednesday, but you're yeah. not available on Wednesday at 9. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, that's okay. right. Okay, so we'll be back it. at our house, I guess. But I know it'll be lovely, and just having Thank you, you here once was very special. Thank, Thank you, you for hosting it's us. Wonderful. Thank you so Thank much. You. It's good to be here again. Right. It's good very to good be time. back. So, I would have a...